Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. It is my privilege and joy to be preaching this morning. And uh, it has been such a great season so far uh, of restoration, the theme over our year. And thank God for our pastors hearing God's heart uh, to lead us into this year of restoration. We've been reading from John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. And so we're going to continue in that vein today. So if you do have your Bibles, we'd encourage you right now, why don't you turn to them, uh, turn them to John chapter 1, and we'll pick up the very first verse there. Uh, And jump into today's message. Does that sound all right? Fantastic. Well, John chapter 11, verse 1 says this. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. The story goes on. Jesus waits a few extra days. In that time, Lazarus passes away and then he makes his way to Bethany. And basically he meets with Martha, one of of the sisters of Lazarus, who sort of says to him, Jesus, if you were here, he would have survived. If you were here, things would have been different. And his response to her in verse 25 of John chapter 11 is this. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And he goes on to have a dialogue with you know, uh, the, uh, the other sister and eventually finds himself coming to the place where Lazarus has been placed in a tomb. And we pick up the story now in John chapter 11, verse 38, which says, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Amazing portion of Scripture, an amazing story. And uh, this morning, I've titled the message I'm preaching, What Did You Expect? What did you expect? So let's pray and let's ask God to really bless our time together. Lord, I just thank you so much that whenever we come to the Scriptures, God, you reveal yourself to us. And I just pray, God, that today we'd become so conscious of your presence in our life, so conscious of what that means as we outwork the things that you've called us to. And I pray, God, that you would move powerfully in every individual heart, in every individual circumstance, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, yesterday I had the, uh, the joy of uh, marrying a couple uh, of friends of Milani and mine. We were up in uh, Mossman out there and we had this beautiful wedding ceremony and a beautiful reception last night. It was really special, but I think anyone who in this last season uh, uh, has been married 
uh, or has had to plan a wedding will understand. I'm looking at Josh and Tamara here or Jai and Tilly, pretty much the whole front row down here. We've got Beck and Ellis, Jackson and Alyssa. I see Katie and Alec. Anyone who has had to plan, I could just keep going. I'm just going to miss people, so I'm just going to focus right now. Anyone who's had to plan a wedding will understand that there has been some added anxiety added to the planning of a wedding over this season because... You just don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're going to be allowed to do, what's going to be restricted, what's possible. And, you know, the thing about this last season for all of us, especially those, you know, that have been planning a wedding, but for all of us is that this past season has cultivated an expectation of disappointment. You know, cancelled holidays. How many people had a holiday plan that they had to cancel and they rebook it and they rebook it? And who has got to that point where after rebooking holidays a few times, you just decide, I'm just going to wait. I'm just not going to book any, I don't want to get my hopes up anymore. Um, I know many people, back to the wedding thought, many people who had booked a wedding and then postponed, then postponed, and eventually had a wedding that was very different to what they expected. There's been work challenges, um, you know, school's been cancelled and kids have been in the house. Uh, you know, we're sort of like 2020 is over. Come on, 2021. We get through 2021. We're like, oh my gosh, 2021 was pretty much the same. 2022, it's like, oh my, right? It's just like here we are again. So this 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 environment has sort of cultivated this expectation of disappointment, this belief that you know what, I, I can't get my hopes up because it's likely that I will be disappointed. Do you know an, an expectation of disappointment? It's the natural response to disappointing circumstances because naturally we are inclined to protect ourselves. We have this natural inclination to keep ourselves safe and to protect ourselves from things like disappointment. And uh, we're sort of wired that way. Even physically we're wired that way. Um, You know, I've, I've injured myself a lot over the years and if you count up my injuries, a lot of them are actually my body's response to falling over and throwing out a limb to protect myself or, you know, putting my arm down, dislocating a shoulder or put my arm down, dislocating another shoulder or breaking a wrist or breaking another wrist, right? But the list goes on or snapping my leg in half, you know, to try and break my fall. These kind of things are the natural response to uh, finding yourself in a situation where you're in danger. Your body tries to preserve itself at all costs. You know, the, the, the self, this self-preservation, it factors in so many things in our decision-making. To keep ourselves safe and to keep ourselves from harm, we factor in many things. We factor in past experience. We factor in convention, what is normal, what is, you know, the way that it's always been. We, we take advice from others and we factor that into our decision-making. Um, all of these different factors are considered, our logic, our rational thinking. We, we know, we, we, we sort of rationalise what we think might uh, be the case. Past pain and failure play into how we make decisions. And all of these factor into what we expect will happen in any given situation. And this is all understandable and natural. So, you know, if you're being like, yeah, that's me. I've, I've found myself in that place where I'm expecting disappointment. I'm trying to protect myself. That's natural. That is normal. But what Jesus does here with Martha is he reminds her that in the midst of all those considerations, she cannot neglect who it is that is also with her. You see... Um, It's important for us not to just look at those factors, but to also consider the factor that our God walks with us. 
Do you know, we are, we are two weeks into our Right Believing New Christian course. And, you know, one of the things we teach in our course is that God is eternal, that He is the eternal creator, that He created all things. Um, the introduction of God in the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's really interesting in that there is no context given for God. There is no explanation given for God. He simply is. He is the eternal one. His preeminence is assumed by the writer. You know, um, there's no context for God because it is God who provides context for all other things. Everything is subject to Him. He is subject to nothing. So then what we have here is we have Jesus having this encounter with Martha. Jesus, who is God, understands that all things are subject to Him. Martha is on this journey of understanding Jesus, knowing that Martha will soon face a decision to consider things naturally or from a position of faith, he preempts the moment by revealing himself as the author of life itself. So in John chapter 11, verse 25 to 27, it says this, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die Do you believe this? So this is pre-being at the tomb. This is pre the moment where he says, come out. This is a moment with Martha in response to a question she had about why Jesus wasn't present when she expected him to be. And he says, I am the resurrection and life. Do you believe this? And she responds with this faith declaration. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. You know, I really believe that Jesus uh, wants Martha and us, sort of by proxy as we read the story, to, um, to remember that while we may consider many, many factors in our decision-making, while our expectations may be influenced by many, many things that we you know, take into account as we, as we look ahead, we can never forget that as well as all those factors which are good and well and true, there is also the factor of God's presence with us. And we have the presence of a God in which all things are subject to Him. He is not subject to anything. And often we can find ourselves putting a limit or a limitation on God. We put a limit on our belief and on our obedience to God because we don't see or believe that He can do what He says He can do. But when we, when we recognise that the God factor is actually the greatest factor, the God factor supersedes the other factors. You know, past pain, past experience, they may be helpful to a point, but when God gets involved, those things take a back seat. They become secondary to the purposes of God in a moment. His presence is primary. She responds with this faith declaration. The presence of God is the greatest factor. Do you know, not even death itself can stand up to the presence of God. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In Him is life and that life is the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Death itself faces up against Jesus and guess who comes off second best? Death does. Jesus is victorious. You know, I think the reason Jesus coaches Martha through this um, sort of faith declaration prior to the moment is because... Uh, the miracle that's about to take place is actually a miracle that, is, that happens in partnership with the faith of the people and with the faith of Martha. So, you know, in verse 39, a direction is given by Jesus. 
take away the stone. So Martha's immediately confronted with the reality of the situation. Like she starts going through all the factors, right? Okay, he died. It's been four days. We're in a hot environment. That's an enclosed tomb. She's just doing the math. You know what I'm saying? Like it makes a lot of sense what she says. Uh, Lord, are you, uh, you sure you want to move that stone? Like it's been a while, right? Um, you know, it's been hot here and it's, it's going to smell pretty bad because she has seen death and decay. She has seen what happens when a person passes away. She has seen that natural process that takes place and has taken place in every other experience of death that she has so far encountered. And so naturally she says, well, there's obviously going to be a bad smell. And then this is what Jesus says in response to her. Jesus in this moment beckons her. He's saying, come on, return to your faith. Return to your faith confession. We just had a conversation and this is what he says. Did I not tell you? that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So she goes from the faith confession back into this natural understanding of the situation and makes the assessment that all of us would make, that there must be a bad smell, that things are not going good inside that tomb. And then Jesus says, no, 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 back here, back here. Remember the conversation we had? Come back to your faith response. Come back to your position of faith. Did I not tell you that if you would just believe, then you will see the glory of God? And this moment of faith, this moment, sorry, of choice is presented. Do we choose what we understand in the natural based on all of the factors that we understand? Or do we choose the decision of faith to trust Jesus and to believe that if He is the resurrection and the life, then these factors will bend towards His will? And a choice is made. In verse 41, it says, So they took away the stone. <laughs> How cool is that? So they took away the stone. And what do they see? They see the glory of God. You know, when I think about this story and about how it affects us today and how it implement, uh, is implemented in our life and you know, how we can sort of run with this tomorrow in our workplaces, in our families, in our relationships, you know, how does this work? I, I sort of think we've got to understand faith involves risk. So we have this natural bent towards safety and this natural bent towards not wanting to get our hopes up and not wanting to expose ourselves to the potential for pain and not wanting to be vulnerable. And so we naturally sort of cover ourselves in all protection mechanisms. We find ourselves making decisions that will not allow us to get hurt. You know, if I, if I don't expect anything good, then I won't be upset when nothing good happens. And let's be honest, isn't that the, the position of so many people in our society right now? Let's just live a very basic life. Let's just not expect much. Let's just believe for things to just coast along, to bump along the bottom. I just, if I don't get my hopes up, I won't be disappointed. But we are not those who shrink back. We are people of faith. And, you know, my question to you is, what's your expectation of the year ahead? You know, we've had an interesting few years as a society and here we are, 2022, and we've got this confession of restoration, a faith confession that God is at work, that God is doing something you know, with our circumstances that only He can do. But I know for so many people that we sort of take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I'm going to believe for restoration, but you know, I'm just, I'm not really, gonna, maybe it won't be like just the year of restoration. Maybe it'll be like a few years of restoration. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to temper my expectations. But our expectations are so important. In fact, they are a vital part of the miracle because God chooses in the miracle to partner with His people. So Martha had a choice. 
do I listen to what I think and keep the stone in place because I'm afraid of the smell? But she chose faith. They chose faith and they removed the stone. Do you know, we can actually stifle the purposes of God in our life and the glory of God being seen in our life if we choose to not be people of faith, but to live according to our own assessment, our own judgment. Jesus said, move the stone, but I know that that's going to be a mess right there. And so I'm just going to leave it closed. Pretend it's not an issue. I'm just going to keep, keep things as they are. We have a part to play, which is to remove the stone. Of course, we cannot see Lazarus resurrected. Of course, we cannot bring restoration to areas of our life that are outside our control. But what we can do is believe. Believe. And what are we believing for? The glory of God. Now, this is important, right? Because sometimes we set our belief on what we think God should do, on the practical outworking or the plans of God or how God will work. But this story shows us that that you know, situation was so different to what Mary and Martha were hoping. Their disappointment is evident. Jesus himself hears that Lazarus is sick. He already knows. By the dialogue, we can tell. He already knows that he's dead. And he says, oh, look, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's gone to sleep. And everyone's like, well, if he's sleeping, he'll just wake up. And he's like, I didn't mean it like that. He's dead, right? He just gets real with him. He's like, he's dead, but it's okay. It's not going to end there. This is all for the glory of God. And it says he waits two more days. So Mary and Martha... They, they wanted God. They're like, if you were here, Jesus, you know, it wouldn't have gone like this. They, they, they were disappointed. They were upset, but he brought them back to a place of faith. So it's not that we have an expectation that God is going to move in the particular way we want him to. It is that in the midst of every circumstance, that glory will be given to God. And he will take that, which was meant to harm us and turn it around for our good. Now, if we keep the stone across the tomb, then we just have the death of our brother. But if we, are, if we trust God and we exercise faith, then we give God an opportunity to do what only He can do. Is your expectation for the year ahead based on pure logic and past experience? Have you turned autopilot on and just sort of set the cruise mode for self-preservation and just to get through another year? Or are you aware and conscious of who it is that is with you in the season? If God is present, you can expect His glory. If God is present, you can expect to see His glory. He doesn't waste a moment. He doesn't waste a season. He doesn't waste a, bro a brokenness. He doesn't waste a, an individual. There is nothing that God cannot take and transform and use for His glory. Even the very things that are so disappointing and so difficult in our life, if our attitude is, I believe, that I will see your glory even in the midst of this pain, then what we will see is the circumstances and the situations of our life, even though they might not be what we want or how we expect them to be, they will be used for God's glory. Do you expect to see the glory of God in your life because Jesus is with you? You know, wherever Jesus is, there's life. I was thinking about sort of some of the ways that this could be seen. And, you know, when you start thinking about it, and I'd encourage you, why don't you use your imagination and start to think, what are some of the ways God might use you know, situations and circumstances to bring himself glory. And I was thinking about a couple of situations. You know, one of, the, one of the groups of people that my heart's been most broken for over this pandemic season is those that are in that dating phase of life. 
you know, hanging out, getting to know each other. I was a young adult pastor for like seven years. Like it's pretty much, you know, your code job title, right? It's running young adults and also matchmaking, right? It's, a, it's part of that goes with the, 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 the role. You, you know, it's a season of life where a lot of people are, you know, hanging out and the social side of things and the connections of friendship and a lot of people find relationships in that season. And the truth is it has been a difficult season for people that are dating. You haven't been, you know, I'm a married guy, we've got kids, you know, I'm quite happy to be at home with my family, it's quite nice. But when you're in that phase of life, you know, you're thinking, God, come on, like, what's going on here? How does this happen? But my thought is this, right? If you would submit this to God and say, look, I see all these factors and it feels like time has been wasted and it feels like opportunities may have passed me by, but instead of having that approach, I'm actually going to remember who is with me in this journey, that God is with me and that God always turned things um, for His glory. And I'm going to choose to believe that this season was not wasted. That in this season, not only what God has done in my own character, but in the heart and the character of the person that maybe I will be with in the, in the future, He's done a work in their heart as well. And you can believe that when that time comes and, and the, the relationship begins, that there is greater substance, there is greater um, you know, love for God and intimacy that can happen in a, in a beautiful way in that relationship because God's glory has been seen. He doesn't waste this time, He will use it. You know, I was thinking about um, returning to work and the idea that we're opening up all these offices partnered with the reality that we have this heightened mental health um, issue, this, this you know, mental illness happening uh, around our, our workplaces. And I was just thinking about how it's real. You can't sort of say that's not a factor. But you see, when you factor in the God element, when you factor in the presence of Jesus that goes with you into your workplace, maybe the very same colleague who has been closed to the idea of God the very same colleague who has been, um, you know, resistant or too prideful to even consider, you know, God and, and, and the reality of God in their life, all of a sudden through the difficulty of their life, a door opens up where their heart is ready to receive the gospel. And all of a sudden you find yourself having conversations at work that you never used to have because everyone was on, you know, grow mode and everyone was in that next zone pushing forward into their career. But now a vulnerability has appeared that God will use to bring people to salvation. And we see people that may never have come into the kingdom of God because of the difficulty of the season. All of a sudden, you as a believer who has Jesus being used to see the glory of God. Their life has changed. Their family's life has changed. The generations have changed. You know, I have a, I have a close friend who sort of went through it as a young man. Him and his family went through a massive tragedy, huge. And, um, and you know, I remember talking to my friend. I'm like, man, I just know how hard that is. You know, you'd never wish that upon anyone. And he said to me, he goes, Tim, you know what? It is hard. I would never want to go through it again. But he goes, there is also so much that God has done through it. Through that circumstance, my whole family has come to faith. Through that circumstance, my family was actually brought back together when we were living in a way that sort of was just everyone focused on their own thing. It was through that circumstance that I wouldn't wish upon anyone else that God's glory was seen in our life. And I love watching now that family just thriving in the things of God and moving forward in the things of God, which could have been such a different story. Even in the midst of brokenness, if we choose to believe in Him who is with us and we put our life in His hands, then He will work things for His glory. Maybe for you, you've had a season of homeschooling and you know you now have no hair left because you've just been like struggling to, to get through it. Con didn't have hair to begin with, but uh, <laughs> hey, bro. But you think about how tough it has been for families and parents who like, you know, have had kids at home and it's been overwhelming. Well, right now you might be feeling stressed and just praying that nothing happens that shuts down the schools again. But maybe 10 years from now, your kids will remember that season of being around you and the power of proximity 
in an important phase of their life where you got to go on this crazy adventure and got to see each other in you know, the rawest you know, sense, just in each other's worlds for an extended period of time. Maybe you will look back and it will be one of those things that has brought your family to a place of closeness. The glory of God can be seen in your family being stronger and closer because of that difficulty. And so I suppose what I'm encouraging you to do is to see things from a different perspective and to be aware of God's presence and the presence of God to bring restoration, the power of God to bring restoration and life. Maybe for you, I know this was on the heart of um, our senior pastor as we've been praying for you know, the season of restoration. Maybe for you, it's a wayward son or daughter, um, someone who has walked away from God and your heart breaks. And you know, being a parent, I can just, you know, my heart is that my kids would know God and find family in the house. And the truth is that sometimes we see kids, you know, make their own decisions. And as they grow into adolescence and adults, they sort of go their own way. And, you know, you, you know, parents and grandparents continue to pray. And it can be difficult, no doubt. But I just was really praying and thinking, even as Pastor Brad mentioned about the belief that prodigals would return home through this season, is this idea that time has been lost, time has been wasted, that, that this distance has caused irreparable damage. But, you know, I was thinking about how God can do something that would take 10 years in a moment if he wants. And I was thinking about a friend, right? And we sort of grew up through youth together and she was sort of one of the crew. We're in youth together doing, doing you know, youth stuff and volunteering and whatnot. And I remember we sort of all continued to do our different things and she was awesome, like amazing person, young leader, and she sort of would go through those phases of, you know, um, you know, in church and then out of church and might be in a relationship with someone who wasn't a Christian and so sort of pulled away. And it was almost like on the fringes for many, many years until one day she rocks back up at church after maybe about a two-year break and she just gives her heart to Jesus. And she just, on the altar, tears streaming down her face, has an encounter. And I'm telling you, within three months, um, I was youth pastor at the time, we were sitting down with her and saying, hey you know, you are just on fire. Would you want to be part of the youth team? She says, I would love that. She starts serving in our youth team. She quickly like just jumps all these levels until the point where she is leading leaders. And because she's been around for so long, she's learned and knows so much. She loves God deeply. She's had this encounter. She went on to become one of our greatest disciples, the greatest leaders of leaders that we had through an entire season. She ended up getting married, having kids. She now lives overseas. And she is in the sort of vision team, sort of like I think there's five or six leaders in this vision team of one of the world's greatest churches right now that is on fire over in New Zealand. She's in the room helping to lead a church that is literally reaching tens of thousands of people every single weekend. And I just think there was a time there where if you looked at it linear, like from a linear perspective, she missed out on all this time. But God had a plan and a purpose for her life. And when the time came, even though it was two days later than they wanted, when the time came, it revealed God's glory. We don't get to control His timing. We don't get to decide what things, what life looks like and all those aspects of our circumstances. But what we do get to do, like Martha, is choose whether we're going to live in the natural or whether we're going to be walking by faith. What does the Bible teach us? We live by faith and not by sight. And for us, that moment of saying, you know what? I'm rolling away the stone. <laughs> you know, in, the, in, the, in front of the reality of the situation, I'm choosing to believe in you, Jesus. And I'm giving my year to you that your glory may be seen through me. So what do you expect as you head back to the office? What do you expect as you head into another year? What do you expect as you finish school or start a new career or begin your family? What are your expectations this year? And my encouragement to you, Let's not be expecting the worst. 
Let's not be expecting things to fall apart or disappointment to come. Let's be expecting that no matter what happens. Because of He that is with me, the glory of God will be seen. And we will see miracles. We will see our life used in the hands of God to not just impact us, but as 2 Corinthians 4 puts it, we are jars of you know, clay that are broken, that, that reveal, the cracks in us reveal that it's not us working. The cracks in us and the brokenness in us and the, the situations of our life reveal that it's not through our own heart. It reveals the purposes and the glory of God. And if we have that attitude, I'm telling you, this year will be a year of restoration that God will use to let His glory be seen. I might ask this, the band to come back up and um, we're about to wrap up. Let's honour God for the word this morning. <clears throat> I really just feel to just to pray over you and um, just to pray regardless of where you're at right now for your year ahead. But before we do, what I'd love to do is just pray for anyone in the room who, you know, this is new to you. Maybe this whole idea of faith and believing in God is something that you've never experienced or it's been a long time since you've walked closer with Him. I'd just love to pray for you. And so, just to give you a moment to focus on God, could I just ask you to close your eyes? <laughs> Maybe even just bow your head, just focus your heart on God. And I want to ask you a simple question. Is Jesus walking with you? Have you ever invited Jesus into your heart, into your life, and allowed Him to come alongside? Because there is actually nothing stopping you from having God with you at all times. The only thing that you need to do is to, to invite Him in. God has done everything that needs to be done. Jesus, His death on the cross was about taking away the barriers between us and our relationship with God and all who believe in Him shall be saved. And all you have to do is say, yes, Lord, I need you in my life. So if that's you and this morning, you have never made that decision and you are like, I need God in my life. I need to know what it is to have the presence of God who can transform you know, brokenness into life. Or maybe for you, you're one of those people, and even as I was talking about prodigals and I shared the story of my friend who's now just going for it in the things of God, your heart jumped a little beat there and you were just like, you know what? What am I doing? Mucking around with all this other stuff. I know that God has called me to live for Him and today He is calling you home. If you're distant from God, or you've never opened up your heart to God, I'd just love to pray for you and pray with you and lead you in a simple prayer of inviting Jesus into your life. And so right now, while eyes are closed, we're all gonna pray, everyone in the room. We're gonna pray this out loud. But if you need to pray this to God, you pray from your heart to Him, He will hear you. He's the one that can transform you forever. So wherever your eyes close, how about we all pray this prayer? Dear Jesus, I know that you love me, and that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Today, I give my life to you and invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. I thank you for what you did on the cross to forgive my sin, to bring me into relationship with God. And I thank you that from this day forward, you walk with me, you will talk to me, you will live in me, in Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.